We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That'll do it. Knicks get hammered in the second half. 62 to 35, and the losing streak now goes to three as the West Coast trip comes to an end. Mutual respect for those two as Utah has now won nine in a row. Johnny Bryant, longtime assistant for the Jazz, now with Tom Thibodeau. As the final score is 108 to 94. All right, get my uh, spotlight on here. Not that anybody should really want to hear what I have to say about that game because, man, did that end ugly. Um, all right, so we have a final in Utah. The Knicks end their four-game uh, West Coast swing with a loss to the Utah Jazz um, in a weird game, a really odd game, um, because – you had one of the great half performances of in recent Nick history from Austin Rivers um, in the first half when he was 10 for 10 uh, for 25 points, five for five from three. Uh, man, that was something to behold. And for as much as there is a lot to talk about about the game, and we'll talk about it in a second, I – don't know how you start other than to say that that was uh, pretty incredible. Um, all right. Let's talk about the game. Because <laughs> you know what? I mean, what do you say about Austin Rivers other than that he got really hot? And thanks to him getting really hot, the Knicks were leading a game by 15 that they probably should have been tied, um, you know, maybe up by a couple. But um, they went into the half of the lead. Um, and the Utah Jazz outscored them by whatever it was in the second half, 20-some-odd points. Um, the final margin of victory was 14, so it is what it is. Here's the thing. This is the fourth game of a, a fourth, fourth game of West Coast swing. Utah has not just been the best team in the league over the last three weeks since they last played the Knicks, 
they have been the best team in the league by a comfortable margin over the last three weeks, um, three and a half weeks, I guess now. And they have, I think it's a 15 positive net rating over that time. If you go look at cleaning the glass, they came into tonight with a plus 25 um, over the last six games. Like they're playing like they put up, I think, 45 threes. I checked a few minutes ago tonight. And the reason that like they're kind of unstoppable, 48 threes, excuse me. So they made 15 of 48 threes for 31.3%. So 31.3% is obviously not a great percentage. And they missed a ton. But when everybody on your roster, other than whoever you have playing center, is not just like, okay, he can make a three, but no, 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 no. Everybody they put on the, in the game, other than their two centers, Gobert and Favors, is a legitimate threat that you have to fear, from Yang to O'Neal to obviously Bogdanovich and, um, you know, Connolly and all of those guys. Like, they are all legitimate, legitimate threats. And that's a really freaking hard team to guard, especially when the guy who's in the middle for 30 plus minutes a game, Rudy Gobert, is, you know, no, he's not Shaq, as Shaq made sure to point out a few weeks ago, but he's pretty damn good. Um, so, man, that team is going to be a problem in the West all season. Um, but this is not a Jazz post game; it's a Knicks post game. But I, I just I want to put it into context because, like, the Knicks ended up losing this game by 14, and they once led up by 15. So it it feels like it's a bad loss, but I think when you consider the opponent and how well that opponent has been playing, and how much they are just absolutely locked. When a team like that gets that locked in on defense, and they were locked in on defense in the second half, let me tell you, um, I'm not sure what a team like the Knicks is supposed to do. And we'll get into some of the rotation stuff in a bit because I see the chat is very, very much wanting to talk about the Knicks rotation and uh, possibly some trade rumors, which we'll we'll get to both of those in a bit. Um, the Knicks from three tonight shot, um, I'm going to guess, 10 of 25. Let's see how close I am. They were 10 of 27. And that's with Austin Rivers going five of seven. So if you take out Austin Rivers from the equation, the Knicks were five of 20 from three tonight. You're not going to like, it's really tough for the Knicks to win any game. If they have that kind of performance from deep, like they need to get 10, 11, 12 threes to have a chance in most of these games, unless they're getting outlier performance. And, and RJ was three from three. Yeah. And, and you know what, Jose, thank you for pointing that out because this early season has started off with some nice wins. Um, they're now eight and 11. I, I know they were eight and eight and they've lost three in a row. Um, eight and 11 is still way better than they were supposed to be. They're going home now. They've had a really rough start to the season in terms of the schedule. They've played a ton of road games. So I think it's, it's easy to get sucked into like it's all about this season. Every Knicks fan, me included, needs to stop and remind ourselves on the regular that this is this is about a lot more than just this season. Uh, yes, the Cavs are going to be tough, um, and I think if you're if you're a fan and you're watching this game and you want to take away some positives from this game. The first thing that I would take away, and I'm not even sure it's close, 
is RJ Barrett. So, um, yes, he was three for three from deep, which is obviously phenomenal. Um, he seems to have not, he, he didn't, he hasn't allowed the shooting slump and not even one shooting slump. He was whatever he was over 21. And then he was one for 21 in two separate, like sample sizes. And yet he's still firing away. He's firing away with confidence. He was three for three tonight. He is, if he's not over, I think he's over 40% for the last seven games. That's not, that's not an insignificant sample size. A lot of complaints about Mitch in the, in the uh, chat tonight. I'm, I'm not sure that was, that's warranted after tonight. I know he had some, they, you know, the jazz got some offensive rebounds. Um, a couple of those were on some funny bounces though. I do think Mitch is a poor defensive rebounder, but we'll get to Mitch in a second. Stick with RJ for another minute. Um, he was, especially in the first half, and I think they got away from this a little bit in the second half, but definitely in the first half and certainly in the first quarter, um, they were letting RJ Barrett kind of run the offense or at the very least, um, leave it up to him to make plays, which is, as I've been saying for anybody who's been, he's been following me for the last 10 months. I think that's where his strength has to lie. And he only got four assists tonight, but I thought he was really looking to get his teammates involved. I thought a lot of those passes were really good. He ended up with 17 points on um, just 11 shots. I thought it was one of the steadier games that R.J. Barrett has played, and I think it's a really encouraging sign coming off um, the last game uh, against Portland where he had, you know, obviously kind of a down night. So... um, Good stuff from RJ. I thought Randall was good. I thought Randall was trying to rely a little bit too much on trying to draw fouls. But overall, you know, we're now 19 games into the season, so we're more than halfway to the All-Star break. Um, He has – I mean, he was 6 for 16, but, again, he was 18 points, um, only four assists, um, got to the line four times, two of four from three. Listen, against the Jazz, you're going to sign up for that. Um. And then other than Austin Rivers, nobody else played a good game. So, uh, you know, we could talk about Mitch. Uh, He was bad from the line. Like, I feel like we are getting close to needing to have the Mitchell Robinson conversation. Um, Someone asked in the chat, why did Rivers sit so long? I'll get to to the rotation stuff in a minute, but I want to talk about Mitch because – Mitch tonight was was matched up against Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert is obviously making uh, $40 million a year over the next five seasons. Um, And I've been really starting to think about the value of centers and how much centers get paid. Um, I mentioned it, and uh, Pod's going to be dropping tomorrow. Of WFAN, we talked a little bit about Mitch's next contract and, like, what do you do with a guy like this? Because the Knicks now are set up where they, they have Randall, they have Toppin as their, their big men that, you know, have the highest ceilings. And then they have Mitchell Robinson, who's a guy who um, has a rough go of things. Sometimes it feels like once every two or three games, he has a defensive performance where it's like a little uneven. And then they'll have one or two games in a row where it's pretty strong. And sometimes it's in and out within the game. But he's a guy who's just, you know, this is his third year now. I'm not sure if we should have any reason to believe there is going to be any appreciable offensive growth 
from him. Um, he seems like he's a lob threat. Like we haven't seen him do anything else. Um, aside from Instagram videos and all the respect to those, I don't really put much stock in them. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be something I really going to continue to think about it. I, I I'm not on the like trade Mitch now train. I think they have a really interesting. Yeah. So someone put in the chat four years, 64 million. I, I just, I don't see Mitchell Robinson being worth that amount of money in the league today when you can get, I don't know, you know, I don't know if Nerland's Noel is like 80% of Mitchell Robinson, 85% of Mitchell Robinson. But the point is you get Mitchell Robinson or you get Nerland's Noel for one year, $6 million. And he could do a decent Mitchell Robinson impersonation on most nights. Um, you got veterans like uh, Derek Favors who were, who was available to the jazz for, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a lot of money. Like centers are out there. Um we have to start really closely examining what what is the premium that Mitchell Robinson brings, not just on a couple of highlight plays, because he's going to have those plays every night, like the one he had where he blocked Donovan Mitchell tonight, where he played that pick-and-roll coverage perfectly, literally can't play pick-and-roll coverage better than that, and made a block that I don't think there are three other centers in the league who can make that because it required impeccable timing, and it required his ability to obviously um, like physically get high up enough to block the shot. But we're not seeing that on a regular basis. I am more than willing to give him not only until the rest of this year, but all of next year to see if he could find some more consistency and this new coaching staff can get more consistency out of him. But, um, you know, nights like tonight where he's kind of uneven, yeah, I, you know, it, it makes me pause. Okay. Let's talk about some of the um, rotation stuff. So a lot of people in the in the chat here, um, yeah, uh, Derek Ravers, three years, thirty million. So if Derek Ravers, Derek Favors is a ten million dollar a year guy, like Mitch Robinson shouldn't be too much more than ten million dollars a year because I know he's playing a backup role, but Derek Favors is really freaking good. Um, anyway, enough about that. So Austin Rivers, Austin Rivers was on fire in the first half, picked up his third foul, Tibbs took him out. So there's a couple questions. One. Actually, it's three questions. Should Tibbs have taken him out when he got his third foul? Um, I think when he got his third foul, I have to go. I'll, I'll look this up now while I'm doing the live stream. But I feel like it was roughly a three or a roughly a ten point lead. Um, I but the point is between when they took Rivers out in uh, the first half. And when they went into halftime, I didn't feel like a lot got shaved off the lead. So then the next question is, okay, Burks was struggling immensely. Do you put Austin Rivers in to start the second half? I think that's a, I think that's a fair gripe. Um, personally, I kind of like the fact that Tibbs values consistently consistency, players value consistency. Guys don't like to feel like, oh, shit, I just went one for eight in this half. Am I about to lose my job? Like, we've seen that around here. And as much as it was really frustrating to lose this game and see Austin Rivers, like, go cold in the second half, if we're, again, keeping it big picture and keeping the focus on what we need to keep the focus on, which is 
um, you know, long term. I, I don't think you do that. Uh, someone in the chat said Tibbs was very bad tonight. I, I, I don't like. I'm not sure what you wanted Tibbs to do differently. Did you want him to start Austin Rivers in the second half? Did you want him to bring Austin Rivers in quickly? More, no, no pun intended. Or faster, I should say, in the second in the second half, design more plays for Austin Rivers. Like the dude got hot. He went off in the first half. You know, a half an hour went by. Like it's really tough to contain that momentum. You catch that lightning in a bottle and give the Knicks credit for going after it um, on all the possessions that they did in the first half. I, I, I'm not like. I'm not going to blame Tibbs for not making, you know, trying to shoehorn in Austin Rivers to try to win them this game. Uh, that's just me. I mean, you feel free to disagree, but that's that's my own personal opinion. I thought Tibbs coached a pretty good game. He, they they had a lead against a team that is playing far and away the best basketball in the NBA going into the fourth quarter on the fourth game of a, a West Coast road trip. Um, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't know much how much more you want. Considering the Knicks' deficiencies and their inability to score with defenses are locked in and they're not hitting threes, um, and we haven't even gotten into Burks or Quickly, guys who were – I think they were combined two for 20 tonight. It's just really tough to win games. Um, so, yeah, and they were doubling Rivers. Thank you for, for pointing that out. And guys just weren't making plays. And they had opportunities, by the way, which is maybe a good – transition to talk about some of the guys who didn't have some 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 great nights um Austin Rivers had a rookie a rookie game <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about it um he was one for what was his final stat line was he one for 10 he was one for 11 excuse me um oh for four from deep uh did get to the line four times so that was nice um had one really nice pretty assist to Nerlens Noel but the shot wasn't falling he's a rookie Shots not always going to fall. It is what it is. Um, Burks, again, Burks has been absolutely positively flamethrowing all year. I'm not about to get on Burks for having a bad game against his old team. Maybe he was out to try to prove a point. It got in his head. It is what it is. I'm going to get to the D-Rose rumors. Don't worry about that. Um, you know, Knox, honestly, the biggest critique that I would have of Tibbs is – I think Kevin Knox got off the season starting really nicely. Um, I maybe would have liked to see a little bit more effort over the last few games to get Knox shots and get Knox more involved in the offense and make sure that the same thing that happened to him last season when Knox started off, I, I mean, I think he was like 40% from three over his first, whatever it was, eight, 10 games, um, doesn't happen to him this year. Um, I, I get like when he checked in in the second half within 30 seconds, I'm like, this is not a game that Kevin Knox should be playing. It was the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I do think that contributed to the fact that they let that lead, uh, slip away so quickly. But at the same time, again, it gets back to big picture versus right now. How much emphasis do you put on continuing to try to up Kevin Knox's confidence trade value? Ability to help this team right now. Insert whatever word you want here. But it should be a priority to a certain extent. And, um, you know, I'm curious. It's only been a couple of games since he's kind of been out of it. So I'm, I'm not going to be a, a big, you know, critic right now. But it's something to monitor. Um, yeah, you know, someone says Knox gets – Bobby Washington, Knox gets frozen out of the offense. I think Knox has a role. 
and his role is to be the guy in the corner on every possession. And then when stuff develops, he is supposed to move around. And if guys lay off him, the pass should be made to Knox and he's expected to put it up or put the ball on the floor. And I think for the most part, they've done that this year. Um, I, I Do I think that they're freezing him out? No. Do I think that there are instances where they're maybe missing him? Yes. I've noticed Peyton do it a bunch of times. Um, and that's a good transition to talk about, you know, the guy that we always have to talk about on these things, Alfred Payton. Let's see what Alfred Payton's stat line was tonight. Do, do we get a two for six? Do we get a three for nine? Do we get the four for 12? It's always one of those. It's always one of those three. It's either two for six, three for nine or four for 12. Let's see what we got tonight from Alfred Payton. Tonight we got the, uh, wait, we got the two for seven. He couldn't make up his mind. Between two for six and three for nine. So he went two for seven. Okay. Credit to him. Um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know what the hell else to say about Alfred Payton that I haven't already said, other than that there was a possession um that yeah, Payton has been missing a lot. Like he has at least two drives a game, Alfred Payton, where he takes a little, you know, a little floater, a little four, five, six footer, and it either comes up short or it comes off the side of the rim. And you notice that there's someone wide open in the corner that he doesn't seem to look for. And I get that Thibodeau likes his point guards to try to score. He's always been that way. And and that makes sense because if you have a point guard who isn't looking to score, which is gets into why we didn't see Frank. And we probably don't think we're going to see Frank anytime soon. Um, Someone just said, uh, it's quick diversion. Mitch just deleted, tweeted and deleted something about one day, just let me play. Yeah, so this is the shit that, like, from Mitchell Robinson, you you have to shake your head at because you got to earn the right to be a bigger part of the offense. And I just, like, focus on doing the little things first. And I'll just – I'll get back to Peyton in a second, but, you know – Zach, Zach Deluzio for the Strickland had a really great thread um, about the Portland game the other day. And he, he started off by pointing out a couple instances where one Mitch was kind of lollygagging, getting back another one where he set a really lazy screen. And like, we're seeing this shit from Mitch. We're seeing this shit from Mitch, not as much as we have in the past, but consistently enough that it's an issue and if you don't do all the little things on this team with this coach, you don't get to complain because guess what? In years past, that's one thing because nobody was fucking doing what they were supposed to do. But now when you got guys like Julius Randle fully bought in, doing all of the little things that we didn't see Julius Randle do last year, and you have, you know, all of these other guys, Austin Rivers and um, RJ Barrett, obviously, you know, setting the tone as a leader. When you have all these guys doing all the little things, and you're not always going to do the little things. Like Mike Green made a point on the broadcast a few minutes ago about how Mitch seems to be almost cavalierly treating free throws. And it's obvious because that dude has good shooting form. There is no universe where he should be shooting under 50% from the line. And it's because he goes up there and he doesn't really concentrate. And I didn't mean for this to turn into like a Mitch gripe session. But Mitch has zero business tweeting anything out. Zero business. And, like, this is why my guess is if they did come to the point where they decided, like, look, 
we want to see what is out there that we could get from Mitchell Robinson. I'm not sure there's some team that was gonna is gonna like run and try to you know give up the farm to get him. Um, so that's why it's like you got this guy under contract for one point. I think he's one point six or one point eight this year, and like two million next year, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Maybe the best move is to just keep him on the cheap for those the rest of this. Year. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Here and next year. And go from there. Um, I mentioned uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll give you guys a little little sneak preview of the newsletter. Um, I, I heard uh, recently that the Knicks were I'm not gonna say interested because I don't want people to go nuts. But um, you know they're keeping tabs on the on Drummond um, in Cleveland. I'm not shocked, and honestly, I can't even say that that's crazy. Um, not with how Drummond's played and not with, again, all of these issues that we're talking about from Mitch. All right. Uh, I feel like I've been talking for 22 minutes. I haven't addressed the Derrick Rose thing. Let me finish up on Peyton real quick because it, it goes hand in hand with, with Rose. Um, so yes, Peyton is missing guys. Um, he is not only limited in, in what he could do on the floor, but he's, he's playing poorly for him. Um, so they do need to upgrade. And as we saw tonight, as a reminder, there is a reason why Tibbs is not about to insert Emmanuel quickly into the starting lineup and say, here, this is your team for the next, whatever it is, 53 games. Because when he has a night like this, like you can't, that's a really, really, really tough thing to try to pull off with, with the rest of your guys. Um, Cause that you like it, Peyton is bad. Sound fucked up. Peyton is bad, but you know what you're gonna get from him every night. And it's like, yeah, most of those shots aren't dropping, but he's he's consistent. He's consistently bad, but he's consistent. Here's my point. I think they are more likely to make a trade for a guy who's gonna take Peyton's job than stick quickly into that starting position. Um, and whether it's Derrick Rose or somebody else. I, I think they're going to upgrade. And I think they're going to upgrade sooner rather than later. <laughs> Peyton mi- makes me miss Emmanuel Moody. <laughs> oh, man. Consistent trash. Yeah, no, he, he's – look, Peyton's not good. I'm not, I can't sit here and try to defend off for Peyton. He's, he's been bad. Um, but I guess, you know, there there is a consistency to – the offense is going to run a certain way when he's in there. Um, and – you know, I don't know how much value you put in that. Maybe it doesn't have any value. The point is, I think they should look elsewhere, um, and I think they're going to not 
sacrifice a legitimate asset for Derrick Rose. But if they could get Derrick Rose for like Dennis Smith Jr. or they own, I think, Utah's pick in 2023, you know, I I, I hate I hated, hated, hated Derrick Rose when he was here. Because I thought he didn't give a shit at all on defense in particular, and was looking to like just pad his stats entering to free agency. And um that really bothered me. And, uh, you know, if, if they trade for him, I'm going to trust that Tibbs can get the best out of the guy and, and be more consistent. But, you know, I, there, there, are, there are other options I would look for. Someone says, why would they trade for Drummond? Because Andre Drummond's really good. Um, I'm not saying they would, like, trade Mitch for Drummond. I don't think they should. I don't think they will. But, again, if you could get Drummond for something less than the Cavs gave up to get him last year, um, he makes the team better. And, you know, the bigger question is, okay, great, he makes them better. What is that in furtherance of? What's the long-term goal? Because if you're just getting Andre Drummond to be better this year and he doesn't, like, come back because he wants some insane contract in the offseason and the choices are overpay him or let him walk, then I'm not sure there's any value in that. Um, But if you get a sense that you could get that dude to sign for, like, I don't know, three years, $60 million. A little expensive, a little more than I'd want to pay. Probably prefer to go like three for 45. Um, But he's been a borderline all-star this year. Would he fit with Julius Randle? Absolutely he would fit with Julius Randle. Um, You need to get a spacing uh, point guard who could shoot. But if you give me a point guard who could shoot, R.J. Barrett, um, a good, like a Burks-level wing, uh, also a shooter, um, and then Randall and Drummond, like, yeah, that's all go hunt. Um, I, this is, I, so Bobby, you just said Drummond puts up stats, but doesn't impact winning as Pistons fans. I completely agree with that. He was stat chasing on the Pistons for a couple years there. I do think he's impacting winning more in Cleveland. Um, like you can't be the starting center for the team that has the, whatever they have, the fifth or sixth best defense of the league without, you know, committing and I think he's been better this year has he only been committing more on defense and doing less of the nonsense on offense because he's looking for a contract that's a question um for the Knicks to ask and they need to do their due diligence they need to you know figure out what is Andre Drummond does he really care about being part of a winning team um I do think he'll sign for less than the 28 million he's making this year for the simple reason that no one's going to pay him 20 million dollars in fact, I'm not sure there's a team out there that would give him $20 million this offseason. I know there's not a lot of free agents out there, but like teams are just getting smarter about how they disperse their money. And, um, you know, the the Detroit Pistons, Mason Plumley contract aside, I, I just don't see the team that's going to make a big offer to Drummond. So whatever. Um, it is what it is. I, I, we don't need to talk anymore about Andre Drummond. Uh, anything else that we need to talk about tonight? I don't really, you know, I don't really – yeah, everybody's ret- – or Bondi just retweeted the the uh, Mitch one day they'll let me play tweet. This is – it's like it's just not what the Knicks need right now. And for him to be selfish enough to do that is really fucking annoying. Um, excuse my French. Uh, RJ getting iced out from Manny Ortiz. I didn't get the I, – I don't get the sense that RJ ever gets iced out. I just – like – most of their actions begin 
with Randall initiating the the offense, and that's the strong side, and then RJ's over on the weak side. And if there's good stuff that comes out of that initial action, you know, sometimes RJ doesn't touch the ball. Is RJ to the point where he needs to touch the ball in every possession? No. Would I like to see him touch the ball on most possessions? Absolutely. I thought he did touch the ball a lot tonight. I thought he had a good share of the offense. Um, but, like, if there's a couple of possessions in a row where RJ isn't prominently featured, like, to me, that there, there are other things worth worrying about more right now than, than that. Um, did not touch the ball today. Not in a meaningful way, no. Um, Andrew asks, what would we need to give up to get Oladipo? Uh, that is, I think, going to be the question of trade season because I do think the Knicks will be in on Oladipo. Um, I think it depends on how much uh, – I talked with with, with uh, Jeremy on Sunday about this. I think it depends on how much um, Tillman Fertitta uh, values saving money. He seems to be a cheap – MFR. Um, so if if the Knicks are just willing to like take Oladipo into their cap space and send out very little money back, does that lessen the price to I don't know a couple of second round picks? Um, and like you know, does, does Houston want like Kevin Knox? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, but I don't think it'll be a lot, and I don't think they'll overpay. Would the Knicks be in on Beal? I haven't heard Beal's name mentioned. Um, and I don't think he will. they will be in on him because I think the price is going to be exorbitant, and I don't think they're in a place where they should be trading for a guy like Beal. I think they're in a place right now where they should be trading for a guy like Oladipo on the cheap, then try to sign him in the offseason, and then start to incrementally take steps up so that the next time, you know, so when the Beal sweepstakes happen, they're in a more reasonable position to go get a guy like that. Um. So, no, I would say no on Beal for right now. Maybe this summer if he's still available and they, you know, make another move or two. But I'm not willing to give up what it would take. What about Zach Levine? Take a sip of beer before I answer that question. Um, I've been a pretty pretty big fan of Levine. Uh, I'm not – I don't know what the price is. And I'm not sure that I want to pay a lot. He's a guy that I feel like is going to get to free agency because I feel like if he does get traded, um, the team that trades for him won't feel like an automatic sense of urgency to give him like a max contract because he's not that level of player. He's going to be a free agent in a year and a half. Uh, he's a guy that I would target again in free agency. I'm not sure that I'm willing to give up like a first round pick and a good young player, which is what it would take to get Levine. So I guess I would say no on Levine for now. Lonzo, again, like everybody, everybody's talking about like these different trade options. It all depends on the price. So, you know, if the Pelicans want Frank Nilakina and um, the Charlotte pick this year, sure, great. Um, I'm not giving, I, I don't know that I want to give up a first rounder for Lonzo ball, even, even the Dallas 2023 first, like I would consider that, but, uh, cause again, what are you trading for? You're not trading for Lonzo ball. You're trading for the right to pay Lonzo balls next contract. What does Lonzo ball want on his next contract? We don't know the answer to that question. And I have a feeling it's more than you're going to want to pay. Cause as a, as a, as a player, he hasn't justified that yet. Now, 
if you think that he is just in a bad situation this year and last year is more of an indication of what Lonzo Ball is as a player and you feel like you're buying low on a guy who could be, you know, a starting point guard against a wing or a starting point guard alongside a wing initiator on a good team and that the three-point shot is eventually going to get there, maybe you give up a little bit more for him. But I still don't want to pay that guy too much money in the offseason. Um, what about helping the Nets unload Spencer Dinwiddie's stash for next season? What's the value of Spencer Dinwiddie's cap hold? Uh, or not cap hold, bird rights, excuse me. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'd give up something. Um, I'm not sure a lot. I'd give up like a future protected second round pick and like Dennis Smith Jr. That's about it. Uh, okay. Anything else? I feel like we've we've talked about a lot tonight. Uh, I don't, if, if anybody has any other questions, type them in now. But other than that, I, okay, let's take a couple more. We could bench Peyton for Aaron Brooks. <laughs> Good job, Michael. That, that got me. We could we could bench Peyton for Aaron Brooks. Um, what about Anthony Simons? Anthony Simons went off again. The, the next game, the uh, Pel- uh, Pelicans played. God, the Blazers played. Simons is going to be good. I, I mentioned Simons at, at least once over the offseason as a, a buy low candidate. I like Simons. But I think after what he's done the last few games, the, the, the Blazers are not about to sell low on that dude. Um, oh, my God. I, I haven't drank enough to answer. What would you need from Golden State Warriors to take Clay and Wiggins' contract? Yeah, that, I'll, I'll – I, a lot. Um, do you – okay, This we'll end with this. Do you think the Knicks are willing to trade Frank with the Nets? I could see them wanting Frank Bullock or Noel. Um, yeah, let's, let's end with, with Frank. Cause I feel like, um, Berman had a story today or yesterday about like, Oh, Frank Nilakina is going to be a long road to get back in the next rotation. And like, they were talking about, I think Frank, uh, at some point during the game, um, or maybe it was a pregame. I don't know. People on Twitter are obviously talking about Frank. Um, like the dude hasn't played for 15 games. He's coming back to a team that has an established rotation. I don't like. Did people do, do people want Tibbs to bench one of the guys that's been playing for him all year, playing pretty well, to stick Frank in and just like, okay, here you've been out for fifteen games or 15, 16, whatever it's been, and just like, you know, it's yours. Here's fifteen minutes a night. I maybe. Um, Frank's got a lot of chances. He was good at the beginning of the year, but he also still brings with him the same issues that he always brought, which is not getting into the lane, um, not really being aggressive as a guard. Um, I hope he gets his chance. I think he will get a. I think he will get another chance. But I, I, I just, I feel like the the days of like we need to continue to invest resources of whether it be playing time or whatever well playing time um into frank delacina because he was the he was a top 10 pick like a long time has passed since he was taken um been a number of regimes since then uh i think just frank is just you treat him like another basketball player right now you don't treat frank like obi toppin or to even a lesser extent kevin knox as a guy 
that the organization has a little bit more incentive to like, we got to get this guy right. Like he's a guy who's about to enter restricted free agency and he has a massive cap hold. Um, if he does it in practice and he earns his time, I have no doubt that Tibbs will give it to him. If he's not earning his time in practice, then it is what it is. Um, that's really it. That's all I got to say. All right. This was fun. I'm, I'm taking these out longer and longer because uh, I'm going to be putting them out on the podcast stream. So if anybody here is watching and for some reason wants to listen to this again, uh, go check out the next film school um, podcast. And uh, I think that's all I got. I appreciate everybody tuning in after what was a uh, frustrating, very frustrating second half. Really annoying game. It would have been nice if they could have taken that game down to the wire. That would have been a real feather in the old cap. But, uh, you know, they go home. They get a couple days off. They need it. I need it. (laughs) Maybe you need it too. I don't know. Um, I, I appreciate really. I really, I can't even say it enough. Thank you. Thank you everybody for watching and thank you for the kind words for everybody in the in the chat and i will uh see you on friday night after hopefully the knicks can get back to their winning ways adios everybody